John Combest, are you going to uh, St. Charles Christmas Traditions this weekend? Are you going to be there while I see you with uh, Jack Frost? I'm, I don't think I'm going oh. this weekend, but oh. there's one more weekend after this one, correct? No, it goes all the way to, matter of fact, uh, this year it goes all the way through the 24th, which is a Sunday, because Christmas is on a Monday. So You're uh, right, so there's two more weekends then. Well, actually, this weekend, uh, actually, this is, uh, counting tomorrow, three more weekends. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll definitely be down there. Yeah. Christmas traditions, it's really cool. And look up Jack Frost. Uh, matter of fact, you know what? We have him on the air. I'll have him on the air on uh, Westplex 107.1 this morning after 8 o'clock, but we've had him on the air for years, and he's an interesting guy. He's like uh, the goodwill ambassador to uh, the St. Charles County, or excuse me, St. Charles City Main Street area. Uh, he's very much involved with uh, the um, Christmas traditions, obviously, but then... He does do a little bit of work on the, um, uh, what do they call it? Um, man, my, my brain's gone already this morning. Boy, we're off to a great start, Polar aren't Express. we? Express. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, yeah, the, the, the Polar Trash Express. Where... Does, he do, does, he do the, does he do the St. Charles Kwanzaa display? No, no. There, oh. there is no St. Charles Kwanzaa display. That you know of, Brad. They, <laughs> they, might, they might advertise on Westplex 1071. Come to, you know, it starts December 26th, and I plan on, it's... I think every day starting at Kwanzaa, we should highlight the 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 special days of Kwanzaa. Well, I think not, that would be the right thing to do. Not to be left out, we need to celebrate Festivus as well, too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, why wouldn't we, Brad? We're a very inclusive oh, organization. Man. Okay, that is John Combest. I'm Brad. Together we make, I don't know what we make. I was going to say, it's like with Shelly, I'd say she's Shelly, I'm Brad. Together we make BS. Uh, we make uh, BJ. Oh, I shouldn't say that, should I? Anyway, uh, John hey, is blackjack. The, we make blackjack. Blackjack. Uh, John is the guy who has his ear to the ground and knows everything there is to know about state politics and a lot of the muni politics as well too. Uh, every day for 22 years, he publishes the top stories that are all over the state. Could be in a newspaper. Could be on a radio station. Could be on a TV station. Could just be on a blog or something like that. You can check it out at johncombest.com. C-O-M-B-E-S-T. Johncombest.com. Top three this morning, John. What's going on in the state? The top three. The top story today is yet another follow-up from something that we've discussed over the last few days, which is the which is the radiation payments. Yes. For St. Louisans. Yeah. That was big so, news yesterday. <laughs> So, yeah, so the latest is that, as Brad mentioned yesterday, and, and we talked about yesterday, funding for radiation victims in the St. Louis area has been stripped out of the conference committee bill. So in funding in the defense bill, you get the House committee and the Senate committee together, you get a conference committee, and that funding was stripped out. The recent development from yesterday is that nobody is explaining why. Missouri Net, which is based in, in mid-Missouri, reached out to U.S. Representative Sam Graves, who's on the committee, and Graves did not provide comment back about why that funding was stripped. Uniquely, starting on, on Wednesday night, Senator Josh Hawley says that he will do everything he can. He said he will go to the floor of the U.S. Senate as many times as it takes and essentially make as big of a stink as possible until this funding gets restored. Now, what's unclear to me, what I don't know, Brad, is exactly what the next steps are in terms of getting that funding restored or if, if Senator Hawley was successful in pushing back, if he could get that funding restored back in the conference committee. I'm not sure about that. And that but is – Go ahead. 
I was going to say, that is a big deal for the St. Louis area, St. Charles County, the Westplex area, North City, North County. Uh, We don't talk talk too much about North City, but there were several places uh, where there was nuclear waste in North City. But the majority of it ended up in just north of the airport and in Hazelwood. And I believe there might even be a little bit of it in Ferguson. Um, Somebody told me that the other day, that there was some place over in Ferguson. But I know for sure in the area there, uh, just north of the airport, if you don't believe me, they're still working on it. All you have to do is just take McDonald East from uh, Lindbergh, and when you come through a couple buildings there, on your right, you'll go through a curve, and on both sides of the of the road there, excuse me, my, my mind's, my mind's, hold on a minute, <coughs> about choked there, on both sides of McDonald, they are still doing remediation work. As a matter of fact, yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell you this before, but as a younger man, I used to umpire baseball. And occasionally I'd do tournaments, and I think it was called the ABC League that was over there in that area. And I used to umpire on those very fields where wow. all the nuclear radiation is. So when you see old baseball clips of Earl Weaver or another manager kicking dirt on somebody, that was Brad. <laughs> and Brad actually inhaled a lot of that dust, which explains a lot of what's going on with Yeah, it explains a lot. No, but the whole thing with – and now, what's so mysterious about this that nobody will say why this was taken out of the bill? Is anybody fessing up to this? No, but, I, you know, I, I think it's not uncommon in situations like this that, that – when when a, there's a price tag that has a B that starts with a B when it's billions of dollars, which is what this essentially this remediation and this fund would be. I mean, once it's it's the old cliche of a billion there, a billion a billion here, a billion there, and pretty soon you're talking about real money. Well, it used to be like a, at a certain point, you know, people just people just slash other people's priorities. It used to be a million there and a million there, and, <laughs> that and is, now, right? it's now it's now you're it's familiar a, with Biden inflation, right? Now it's a billion there and a billion there. So, but what's crazy about this is, and sometimes I stand back and I look at things and I think to myself, okay, our government is spending money on this, 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 this. To me, which seems frivolous. This is something that should be taken care of because, quite honestly, the government is responsible for this whole mess because they were the ones that started this project back. And I get it. You know, it's, it was it was it essentially ended World War II because the Japanese weren't going to give up and essentially ended World War II by dropping the two nuclear bombs in the August of 1945. But yet... They still haven't done anything. Well, they have done things, but they have not completely taken care of the matter. And this has been going on since 1945. Yeah. Which, when you think about it, it's kind of crazy. Okay, that's... It's generations, yeah. So that's that's the number one story today. The, The number two story is one that's certainly been the top story on social media in Missouri political circles, which is the case of State Representative Sarah Unsicker. So Representative Unsicker represents the Shrewsbury era, area. She's a, a very progressive Democrat state rep. And she posted a photo over the weekend. By the way, she's also running for attorney general against another pretty far. Oop. I think I lost John. John, are you there? John, are you there? There's a guy named. You, 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 I'm here. You cut out for I'm about here. you cut out for about five seconds. Pick it up where you were saying she's running against. Yeah, she's running against another progressive Democrat for a Democratic primary for Attorney General, and she posted a photo over the weekend of her having uh, a basil lemonade. She said with a couple right wing, uh, you could call them right wing provocateurs. Uh, one of them. One of them has a local profile. He writes a lot about a lot of federal issues. His name is Eric Garland. 
And then there's another guy named Charles Johnson who is a, a nationally known right-wing activist. And th- it's kind of a bizarre story. The long story short is that yesterday, the leader of the House super minority, a woman named Crystal Quaid, removed Sarah Unziker from all of her committees. So Crystal Quaid, a, su- a super minority leader, has the ability to add or remove members. So she's essentially punishing Sarah Unziker for hanging out with these right-wing characters. Now, Crystal Quaid's side of the story is that one of the guys, the guy named Charles Johnson, uh, has made anti statements that are deemed as anti-Semitic. Uh, people call him a Holocaust denier. Charles Johnson, for, her, for his part, points out that he's a federal informant and that it was his job to infiltrate right-wing organizations. So the whole thing is really bizarre. What it appears to be is it appears to be the House super minority leader punishing her fellow progressive Democrat for hanging out with a couple right-wingers and posting about it. Well, John, I mean, everybody knows that's what you do. I mean, you just can't talk to those people on the other side of the fence, right? You can't, yeah. (laughs) And you know, what's funny, Brad, is that when you look at, and you can follow Sarah Unsicker on Twitter, which is where she does most of her activity, and where she posted these pictures, she's essentially saying, I'm not going to change who my friends are, and I'm not going to pretend that I don't talk to people that have different ideological views than me. Um, But it's a pretty bizarre situation in that Sarah Unsicker is also saying that she's worked with the FBI to inform them of some corruption, um, which leads, you know, people to call her a conspiracy theorist. It's all pretty bizarre. And it's it's all Democratic intra fighting right now. Well, the, the crazy thing about this is you talk about the fact that she, essentially she's being punished by uh, the Democratic leader, uh, the, the, as you call it, what the super minority leader. Yep. Um, and she's being punished because she's talking. How dare her talk to someone yeah. who's a Republican? I think this whole thing was accelerated by Trump now. And I'm not saying him specifically, but how many times do you hear stories about, you know, fights at Thanksgiving Day dinners? Absolutely. Where the, the, the matriarch or the patriarch of the family is is one political leaning and everybody yep. else in the family is the other. And it ends up, you know, out in the out in the, the, the backyard, fisticuffs and the whole bit. I just don't get it. You know, I yeah, mean, you know, Brad, and we talked about this yesterday when it comes to campus protests. We have seen universities ban and ban speakers and cancel events because that speaker supported president trump right and by association if you support president trump then you are a white nationalist right and that's the argument and so that way you can say hey you would put that speaker that general republican speaker in the same category as a kkk member which they have done and that's absolutely they have and that's what so you know and, and then you add to this one of the one of the accelerating elements to this is that because Sarah Unsicker is running for attorney general, she's running against someone, like I said, in the primary, who's also a progressive. So that candidate's supporters um, are going to seize on anything that Sarah Unsicker says. Well, the crazy thing about this is you're starting to see the backlash. If you've, I don't know if you saw this yesterday from the national news, but the backlash against these three college presidents, the three women who gave to me, which was unbelievable testimony where they wouldn't answer the question. And now the backlash is on them where I read the story just this morning about some, I can't remember, was it Harvard or one of them where some guy who's head of some, uh, some hedge fund or something like that is pulling a hundred million 
million dollars out of, uh, uh, you know, essentially what he was donating through the years to, I believe it's Harvard. I have to look at that again. And I'm thinking to myself, the crazy thing about this is you and I talked about this yesterday about, and this is what John Combes used to do. John used to be a guy who essentially worked with executives at the company Work Farm Monsanto and then Bear and prepared them for being in front of the press, correct? Yep, that's exactly right. But there comes a point when I, my opinion is they become overprepared and it backfires because of the fact that they just won't answer simple questions. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're wasting everybody's time if you come before, especially a congressional panel, and you don't say anything of substance. Right. And it's, it's all doublespeak. Uh, yeah. But, man, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, there's so many things. You see, especially on the California uh, college campuses, anytime there was any kind of a Charlie Kirk or, or somebody like that who'd show up at one of the universities, it was like World War Three. Absolutely. You know, and it's to the point where it's like, okay, but yet someone who is on the other side of the equation, on the left side, could show up and all be greeted by everybody. You know, and it's, it's almost to the point where if you saw, where was it in Portland, they had the thing where there was a group of right, uh, of, of, of conservative right-wingers who were doing some, some meetings out in a park and they got attacked by the Antifa people. Yeah. Remember, there were several yeah. of them that were on video, you know, where they would, you know, the Antifa people would come and physically attack them, throw things at them, you know, uh, uh, actually, uh, you know, bear spray them. I'm going like, this is, I don't get this. This is just like out of control. But what do I know, right? I'm just a, yeah. a dumb. Well, you know a lot, Brad. I'm a dumb and, guy and, on a radio. And by the way, you were right. The, the gentleman who's, who's spoken up about this is Bill Ackman, who's a legendary that's, investor. Right. And he's the one that's come out against University of Pennsylvania, against UPenn. Harvard. That's right. You um, yes. And you know, when, when it starts affecting pocketbooks, you're right though, Brad. I think there is, um, among people that are a little left of center, they're starting to see whether it's Israel and Hamas or whether it's this kind of nonsense. Well, but, but the sad part of this is, what's the endowment for Harvard? I mean, it's it's in the billions. I think it's multiple billions. Oh, yeah. In other sure. words, that's what they got sitting in the bank, which is, I think, the same situation. Isn't Wash U have like one or two billion dollars in endowments yeah, or something it, like it, that? There was one time when I was there, um, I know that the endowment was certainly higher than most Ivy League schools. Let me take a look at this really quick. Uh, okay, go ahead and do your third thing, and I'm going to look yeah, and find Washington. The, the third story, which is really a Brad Hildebrand special, <laughs> is that St. Louis on the air, which, as Brad notes, is the only live or is the only local St. Louis public radio uh, show that that you can actually listen to on KWMU. Had an interesting feature: the lead LGBTQIA asterisk group said that St. Louis was one of the was had a perfect rating for LGBTQIA folks to live. However, another fringe real estate group came out and said, no, actually, St. Louis is terrible, and here's all the reasons why. So St. Louis on the air yesterday had an enlightening feature featuring a, a group that I didn't know existed, Brad. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, the Midwest Rainbow Research Institute. So hopefully – this group is just based on – from their name, it sounds like they go out and investigate rainbows, so, which seems like the kind of group that I want to go. So in other join. words, one group is saying they have – it's perfect. St. Louis is perfect for – The top-rated city in the in the country. That's right. LGBTQIA. Another group says, no, we're not. Is that what it comes yeah, down yeah, to? Yeah, another group says, no, St. Louis is terrible um, and that it's, it's called Clever Real Estate. Uh, and you know, Brad, Brad, you've talked about this before a lot on Westplex 107.1, the idea of data journalism and yeah. the idea of not only 
not only do you just take a bunch of st- statistics and make a story out of it, but if you're one of these consumer groups or you're a real estate group, you just compose, you manufacture your lists every week and you attempt to get PR through that. So that's what this looks like. Um, but St. Louis on the Air has has quotes from folks from the St. Louis Queer Support Helpline. And then also, I don't know if you knew that this existed, Brad. There's a, the city of St. Louis has a LGBTQIA plus and arts liaison. So, so these individuals um, who are clear about their pronouns talk a little bit, they, they debate back and forth. And they also reflect, according to St. Louis Public Radio, on the 2023 Missouri legislative session and how legislators tried to ban transgender students participating in sports that match their gender identity, a.k.a. boys playing girls sports. Man, you know, I, I've got a little pushback from somebody earlier this week, and I'll tell you this yep. story, which is sort of interesting. I got a little pushback because I've made the comment that every time I turn on NPR, you know, vis-a-vis uh, KWMU, St. Louis Public Radio here in St. Louis, there's some story about LGBTQIA, transgender, queer, something like that. And it's to the point where, like, you know, I don't listen to that station for that. And someone called me out and said, I won't say who this is, but they essentially said, that's terrible that you have a bias against that. And I said, no, you don't understand where I'm coming from. If I'm listening to a talk show and like for example on this station starting at noon between noon and three we have a guy by the name of eric erickson and eric erickson is a a you know a conservative guy he's uh, very much involved i think one point in time he was the head guy in red state if you know what that's all about eric goes into cooking sometime okay and when eric starts talking about cooking I hit the button, you know, and like I'll give another perfect example. I have to listen to, uh, you know, Clay and Buck, you know, the guys who took over for Rush Limbaugh, Travis Clay, Clay Travis. I always get his name backwards. <laughs> yeah. His claim to fame is he started this website called Outkick, which was essentially yep. a right leaning sports site sort of against ESPN, which turned out to be sort of a left leaning sports site. Yep. And once again, when I'm listening to Clay and Buck, driving around and he starts talking about sports bang i hit the button yep. because you don't care about tennessee versus I alabama don't, i don't yep. care about sports i don't care about cooking i care about you know current events political things that's what i care about and yeah. th- that's the thing for me where with kwmu it's to the point where it's not that i like anti-lgbtqa i'm going like i don't listen for that that has no interest to me whatsoever and I guess even more so, if you look at cooking, obviously cooking is very mainstream. There's lots of people into cooking. You look at sports, I don't have to say anything more about that. There's tons of people into sports. But yet, if you look at the LGBTQIA population in the United States, what, maybe 2 3%? Right. You yeah. know? And so, and you know what, what I would love to see, what you would never see, what somebody who had the time and the resources could do is go to St. Louis on the air. You take, you, you go through a year's worth of shows and you see how many minutes are dedicated to what percentage of the stories are dedicated to LGBTQIA stories? Well, what percentage are dedicated to, you know, the about uh, reparations and slavery? You well, know, like if you do that breakdown, you would be more likely to find adequate representation for stories about reparations, which you can make the argument that the black population in St. Louis City is quite high. And then, but if you compare that to what you're saying, Brad, the LGBTQIA asterisk population 
is is far below what how they're represented at St. Louis Public Radio. Well, but the the thing that gets me, and and I, I agree with what you're saying, but take that one step further. They introduce a guest, and the guest sounds very interesting. And in five minutes into the the interview with the guest, and they say, by the way, Miss So and So is trisexual, LGBTQIA. You know, going, oh my God, can, yeah. is there anybody you can interview who's straight? You know, I mean, is there yeah. there anybody? And, you know, and again, like for example, the the person that contacted you or other people that are that would be critical this point of view would say that those people have been shut out of mainstream media and therefore it is the obligation of a public radio station to disproportionately highlight people who have been historically excluded but see 20 years ago that would have been appropriate 30 years ago 30 years ago 40 years ago we have the internet right and you nobody is shut out of of media because you can grab your phone you can go anywhere you're exactly right you can take pictures you can take video you can do selfies you can do stand on the street corner you can do man on the street interviews you can do everything so it's not like there's not a platform for it and matter of fact one of the things that the very medium we're on right now is being denigrated is because people say nobody listens radio anymore that's bs according yeah. to nielsen 92 percent of the adult population listens to radio at least once a week which beats everything but the perception is but yet we are called legacy media and to a certain extent mainstream media although i don't consider us mainstream media we have to take a break by the way i'm doing my research here take a guess i'm looking at it right now on the wash U's website take a guess what the endowment level is at washington university i'm gonna say a cool billion 11.5 billion Wow! It says holy in, now. Now help me with this. It says endowment market value of is a six twenty nine twenty three. Then below it says twelve point five billion, and that says MEP. What is MEP? Do you know what that is? I don't know, but we can oh, look no. it up during it, the break. It looks. I see. What I write down. It says manage endowment pool. So essentially, they have an endowment of eleven point five billion, and the manage endowment pool is twelve point five billion. And once again, this is this is right on their website. A market yeah. value of is a six thirty twenty three. Think about how many kids they could put through school for free if they chose. If yep. they decided just to run the endowment down, let's say they're going to run it down half, they're going to run it down to six billion or five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. How many kids could go to school at Wash U? We could get advanced degrees, Brad. You could add yet another <laughs> advanced degree to your resume. That's all I need. Okay, we have to take a break. We're low along in this one, seven twenty-five.